tonight, as we get ready for the message, I want everybody to get their Bibles opened, amen, and I want us to be ready to start at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, all right? But while you're at that scripture, just while you got your hand in that scripture, I want you to also have your finger over in Exodus chapter 20. First okay, Peter what? First Peter chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. But I'm going to have a start in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 1 to 6, Exodus 20, 1 to 6. But as we get ready, I want you to get your leaves. That'll give you time to get your leaves settled. Because I'm going to open in a word of prayer. And then I want to give us what our message is tonight. Yes. Heavenly Father. Yes. Tonight, Lord, this is not going to be an easy message. All day yesterday, Lord, you know. You know the battle we went through to get this thing ready. Lord, you know the devil does not want this message preached because, Lord, you know that if we preach this message and get it out there, Lord, there are going to be a lot of churches mad and caught in the act. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to see their church finally for what it really is. And they're going to either say, straighten up, or they'll get out, or they'll be dumb enough to stay. But Lord, I hope that they get smart enough to get out before it's too late. And Lord, I hope that you would just, I pray, Lord, that you would just reach down and shut these churches down, Lord, that we're going to talk about tonight. Because Lord, yes, they exist. Many people think it was done deal when the first one went down the hard way. But, Lord, it wasn't down, and it didn't die in Guyana. Lord, it did not die in Guyana. Rather, Lord, they still exist. Some are very much close to the exact thing of what Jim Jones was. Others are midway. Others are beginning. And Lord, if we can knock out a few bricks, knock out a few that are beginning, and maybe some that are on the way, and get them to see the error before they get there, and that they turn around and come back to the one true vine, Lord, we know, Lord, that it's you, and you alone that should get the glory. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we ask all this. Amen. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to start out tonight on this message tonight that I want to preach. A message that needs preaching. Storefront churches and the Jim Jones cult. Storefront churches and the Jim Jones cult. Now, I, I want to clarify something before we get too far. When I'm talking about storefront churches, I'm not talking about churches that are small and rent a building in the downtown area or some part of town that is, a, uh, that is traditionally in like a little plaza or a little storefront that, 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 that looks like a store, but, it, but when you walk in, there's no hint, not one hint of uh, of anybody selling anything. So we're not talking about storefront churches in the form that they are selling anything. Rather, we are talking about storefront churches. These are churches that are either full-blown or whatever, and their main emphasis is making money which I will make clearer as we go. So tonight, our first stop will be in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And Danny, if you would please 
read our opening scripture, Exodus 20, 1 to 6, please. <clears throat> and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make uh, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Hello. We're not supposed to have any other gods. We're supposed to love only the Father. Only Jesus. And no one else tonight. Amen. So let us get off our high horses, get humble, and love Jesus. Amen. To whomever finds this note, collect all the tapes, all the writing, all the history. The story of this movement, this action, must be examined over and over. We did not want this kind of ending. We wanted to live, to shine, to bring light to a world that is dying for a little bit of love. There's quiet as we leave this world. The sky is gray. People file by us slowly and take the somewhat bitter drink. Many more must drink. A teeny kitten sits next to me watching. A dog barks. The birds gather on the telephone wires. Let all the story of this people's temple be told. If nobody understands, it matters not. I'm ready to die now. Darkness settles over Jonestown on its last day on earth. I never believed in heaven in my whole life. You know, that's not the way I operated. But when I was in Guyana, when I watched the sunrises, I actually thought there was a heaven on earth. And now I can't believe in heaven anymore. And you know, that's sad. That's sad. And that's what happens in cults. Cults like Jim Jones' cult, people believe strongly in heaven. But when the tragedy hits and they realize the truth, many never come to God because the cults have brainwashed them so bad, just like this woman said, they can't believe in heaven anymore. Now, just as a note here, some of these interviews, some of these uh, tapes that you're hearing, these are the actual people who came and survived. So the, this ain't some willy-nilly nonsense. This came off of a, a PBS program that talks about the life and death of People's Temple, a documentary. These people know what they're talking about. They were there. But do you notice what the first person said here? Gather up all the tapes, all the papers, all the writings, and examine them over and over and over again. Let the story of this movement be replayed, retold, over and over again. Here it is, 30 two years later or excuse me yeah I'm sorry. yeah 32 years later 30 I was just making sure that I was right I don't want to be given no false information 32 years later 
in 2010. And most people, especially very young people, not most young people had no clue who Jim Jones was. There's information out about him, but not many know about what happened. Well, tonight, I'm sorry, you're going to hear about him tonight. Because there are many churches tonight that are following the same identical path as Jim Jones. One that we know of, which will remain nameless for tonight, we know is so close to it that we wouldn't be surprised if they actually, as Jim Jones called it, went on a, a rampage and committed a revolutionary suicide. It wouldn't surprise us. They're that close. But there are other churches that are not far behind. Am I saying every last church out there tonight is a Jim Jones church? No, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of them that are following some of the very same things Jim Jones did. And I think if we examine what Jim Jones did, maybe we can learn something about the churches for tonight. It is so sad that we'll condemn Jim Jones... Or we'll condemn the JWs or the Mormons or whatever. Let me tell you something. Yes, the Mormons and the JWs and anybody that's listening to this, and if you're a JW or a Mormon, you pick up this by accident and you listen to this, let me tell you something. Your organization is just as bad as Jim Jones already. The only thing you haven't done is collected up chloroform. You don't use chloroform to keep people in. Hello, JWs. You don't use chloroform. You're, the head honchos don't use chloroform. They use what? The threat of excommunication and taking away your family from you. But tonight, you're going to find Jim Jones use the same tactic. You may not use... You may not have Kool-Aid and, 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 and cyanide stored up for, your, uh, for a massive suicide, but let me tell you what... You killing people one after another, you kill them emotionally by using the same tactics Jim Jones did. Hello, Mormons. You do the same. Come on. The fact is, Jim Jones, we may call him a cult very easily because, oh, well, he killed off a bunch of people, but you killing people too. And there's churches right now that are killing people right and left, especially the poor, Oh, Jim Jones started out nice. I'll give him that. He started out good. His aim was to try to integrate the blacks, the whites, the rich, the poor. And tonight I'm going to show you some scriptures that he used to emphasize that. But the fact is, even though he was right on that point, that all are created equal and God loves us all, the fact is, let me tell you something. There's a big difference in his end result from his beginnings. So if we examine how, where his movement, where, how it went from trying to serve God and how it went downhill and look at it, we'll find a lot of churches are headed the same way. And maybe, maybe just out there, maybe just Lord willing, one church will say, Oh, no! I'm hitting the brakes. I'm not going that direction. And my tuck tail turn the other way and get away from that nonsense. That's my prayer tonight. If one, just one church would do that, I've done my job tonight. And that's what I pray tonight. I pray that just one church would change their heart and, and get their wickedness straightened out. Now, one of the things that Jim Jones started, he got, at first, like I said, he was real good. But he got involved with the Pentecostals. In specifically, Father Divine. And when he started talking to this man, this, this was a guy who was all puffed up of himself, thought himself to be God, and he started tell, advising Jim Jones different things. But the main things that he advised him are some of what the Charismatics practice today. False prophecy. 
fake healing. Now, wait a minute. I'm not saying that everybody that goes up and gets prayed for and gets healed, I'm not saying all of that is fake. God can and does heal. I am just saying that where the charismatics say everybody that gets touched should be healed or else they don't have enough faith. No, excuse me. Sometimes God says no, and I'll be showing you that tonight. So you just hold on to your hard hats tonight because you're going to need them. Amen. But now take a listen at this section and see if any of this sounds familiar to your average charismatic church. E.D. Fingers, are your fingers numb? In your eye? Reach the fingers out that are bothering you. Now, is it pain at all? Take your glasses off. Let's just dare in our faith. Now, look at my face. I love you. The people love you. And most importantly, Christ loves you. What do you see? One finger. One finger. One of the most incredible healings to me was this little old lady. And she was in a wheelchair. Jim said, darling, you know, today is your day. We're gonna, you're going to get healed today. So we're going we're gonna to heal those legs of yours. You're going to walk again. And the whole auditorium went totally crazy. Come forth, my dear. Stand up. Take that step. Bless your heart. Take that step. And she takes this real slow, shaky step. She said, I can feel it. He said, yes, I know you can feel it. Now take your other leg and do it. And it's another real slow, shaky step. And he says, now I want you to walk toward me. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward, darling. You can do it. And she starts taking forward steps. And pretty soon, she is walking. And she starts walking up one of the aisles. And pretty soon she's running. Well, by this time, the whole congregation's running down these aisles with us. We're all just running around the aisles, just hooping and hollering up a storm. Later, I found out that this person that I had seen healed and cried with was really one of the secretaries made up to look crippled and blind. Now, what's my point? What's my point? I'm not saying that all healings are bad. My point tonight is that God doesn't heal every single person that, that comes down the pipe. My point is, if God... Ruth, if he wants to heal you, he's going to do it without having me have to lay a finger on you. You don't have to go see Ernest Angley. You don't have to go see Rod Parsley. You don't have to see nobody. You don't have to go see Esther Holiday neither. If God wants to heal your legs, it'll be done just like that. But let me tell you something. If God ain't going to heal you, no matter, you could have 80,000 faith healers so-called touch you. But let me tell you something. You'll be in the same shape you are. And, and if that be the case, then you got to take our next scripture to mind. Okay? While you're going there, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Danny, I want you to go to 3 John, verse 2. 3 John, verse 2 is where Danny's going to go, while Ruthie is going over here to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Amen. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Arm. You see that? 
arm yourselves. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. How much did Christ suffer for us in the flesh? Well, it don't take a genius to figure out that he suffered a great deal in the flesh. He was crucified. His back was laid in ribbons. And then carried a cross. Come on, all you got to do is go read the crucifixion story to know that. It don't take a genius to figure that out. And it says, He that has suffered in the flesh, for as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. That means, put it in your brain. Arm yourself likewise with what? The same mind, the same thought process. Christ suffered, I'll suffer. For he that has suffered where? Where? In the flesh. That means you have to suffer. He that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Uh, excuse me. If you don't suffer in the flesh, guess what? You're going to, more than likely, fall into sin. So which is it? Do you, would you rather have the sin or have Jesus? Would you want to live the rest of your days to the lust of men or to the will of God? Take your pick right there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It gives you a choice. But you know what we want? We don't want to suffer. Well, the flesh don't. But we need to. All right, Danny. First P, uh, 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now, 3 John verse 2 does not say the word W-I-L-L. The word is I wish, W-I-S-H. And when you study the context of 3 John verse 2, you find that John is writing to a beloved friend Gaius, and he's saying, I wish for your sake that you would have good health, that you would be wealthy, but John wasn't saying that that is God's will for you. Hello, but you know what? How, how do we know what is God's will for us? Because God, when, it, when something is His plan and His will, He makes it plain. He didn't stutter. How do I know that? The Bible says, it says, God is not willing for any to perish, but all come to repentance. Do we know his will there? Why, certainly. He doesn't want to see no one go to hell. But that is not the word that we find in John, 3 John verse 2. What do we find in 3 John verse 2? I wish. There's no promise there that you will never, ever suffer. Sorry, charismatics. Read your Bibles. Amen. So one of the things Jim Jones did... He did his healings. And what excuse did he use in that for the fake healings? Oh, well, if I do this, it'll strengthen their faith enough that they'll believe enough so they can be healed. No. You don't have to strengthen nothing. If God is going to heal somebody, he'll do it without you having to, without you having to fake it off. Amen. Amen. Amen, preacher. Now, Healing isn't the only place that he got involved deeply in. But this next section is going to implicate and put into the basket just about every church tonight. Every church is going to be caught up in this except for Truth, Freedom, Fellowship because this is the one section nobody hears us whine about, but... All the rest of them, you definitely hear them on this one. So they're all caught. You might as well say, oh me, or ouch, because you're going to be caught now. Amen. 
as older people joined. It took a year or so, and he convinced the people that, you know, he was doing so much in the community. And so why not, rather than just tithe your 20%, why not sell your home? Give the money to the church. And that is what people began to do. Hello, Mrs. Kruger. Yes? I'm Jim Jones, pastor of the People's Temple. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Uh, well, our family goes to uh, Grace Presbyterian. Yes, ma'am. That's a fine church. But what I want to talk to you about is a delightful gift of love and friendship for your children. Think how surprised and delighted they'd be to come home this afternoon and find this sweet little fellow waiting to greet them. Oh, I, I don't think they'd want one of those. Uh, what kind is it? It's a capuchin monkey, ma'am. One of the cleanest, most docile house pets you could possibly have. It's far more intelligent than a dog. Much more loving than a cat. Easy to train, lives on a few pieces of fruit, and as clean as a pin. Look at that. He loves you. He'd be loving your entire family. It'd just break his heart to be taken from Oh, I don't know. It's for a good Christian cause, ma'am. And the $29 purchase price includes a month's supply of bananas. First income of the People's Temple, our wings of deliverance. You better open up a bank account. You're a great salesman, Jim, but you don't know business. I better open you a non-profit corporation before you have to hand this over to the tax collector. I don't understand. Well, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Just tell me what you want to call it. Call it Wings of Deliverance. Incorporated. Stevens, be reasonable. Well, the wholesalers to be reasonable. Mr. Stevens, how are you? Fine, well, maybe not so good. You see, my business is COD. To me, that's cash on delivery. To him, credit on delivery. Well, why don't we just go inside and talk to Jim about it? It's really going to warm your heart when you see where all this food is going. Well, those presents that Jim has for Mr. Stevens' children, you get those for me, Clayton. Jim takes care of the spiritual needs of the flock, and I take care of the more material needs. Here's our health clinic. This ping pong table was donated. This is Myron, this is Charlie, this is Mr. Stevens. Uh, and over here we have all these books here. They've been donated to us also. And this is my favorite section. We set up a daycare center for around. This money is owed to you. Every time you two received a pension, when you Now, these elderly people, they don't realize the Social Security benefits they're entitled to. So this is Jean. Now, she's going to assist them and help them deal with the government agencies. One day soon, we're going to open up our homes for these elderly people. Here's the produce that you delivered today. Now, some of this goes to feeding volunteer workers, but more than two-thirds of it goes to feeding needy families. Are you crazy, or am I crazy, or are we both going nuts? Now, monkeys and promises of salvation just aren't going to make it. We're broke. We're going into debt faster than I can add it up. Ah, uh, Clayton, Clayton, I'm just beginning. Jim, we... Now, 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 what I want you to think about is forming another corporation. This one will also be non-profit. It'll deal in, um, real estate. Buying, selling, transferring... We'll donate his proceeds to the temple and hold title to the building here, which we're going to purchase. Jim, we don't know a thing about real estate. Call it Jim Lumar. After me, my mother, and Marceline. We'll be the board of directors, and you'll be the treasurer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't have anything to use as a base. That's a deed to a house and two acres of land formerly owned by Granny Carver. How did you get that? It was a gift to the temple. A gift of gratitude.
What has God given you today? The food in your bellies, the clothes on your back, these flowers you see. He has given you life, but what have you given to God? Have you helped to pay his bills? Have you helped to provide him shelter at his place of worship? Have you given until all your energy is drained as his mercy must be drained? Have you given until your back aches with the effort as his must ache carrying the burdens of a sinful world? Oh, children, children, we must all give, give, give. Uh, does that sound familiar? Huh? Churches. Come on, churches. Come on. They got silent on me, Danny. You, you hear it? You, you could, uh huh. Now we can hear the, hear the mouse peeing on a, a feather in the back corner of the church. Oh, they got quiet now. Oh, yeah. You could hear a feather drop like a cannon shot from 10 miles away. Why? Because the church has got quiet. Give, give, give! What have you done for God? Have you been paying His bills? Come on, churches. Come on, preachers. Does that sound familiar? Every one of y'all doing that. I mean, there's very far and few in between preachers that's got the guts to not get up and whine about give God money. You got to pay God's bills. But yet you go and say how much God owns. Oh, well, God owns the, tater, uh, the cattle of the thousand hills, the taters under all the hills and the hills too. You got the guts to say that, but then the very next side of your, next side of your mouth with your forked tongue at her, what do you do? Well, you, who's paying God's bills? Well, if God's got so much money, why ain't you relying on Him to take care of it and shut your mouth about money? Now I'm preaching. <laughs> Come on, I'm preaching now. You know what? The problem is, that's every one of these churches. That's all you hear them. Now, why do we call them storefront churches? What did you hear in that first set of excerpts off of this section? Old Jim Jones, he started out okay. He, he wanted to try to get people. But when he saw he couldn't get enough money, he got involved with that Father Divine. And the next thing you know, he got the idea to go and get him some businesses and to tell the people that they got to give or else. And the next thing you know, under threat of hellfire and damnation, people were told you either give or you're going to hell. And then you know what was worse? He started opening his little businesses. He started opening his little businesses in the church and from the church. Yes. And then... And what's worse, we're not talking about putting, we're not talking about having the business down the road and then and, and paying taxes like anybody else claims it's non-profit. Now, anybody that's anybody that's been at least to high school, high school now, or at least junior high knows the prefix non, N-O-N, means not. Non, N-O-N, the prefix non on a word means not, N-O-T. So when you have a non-dairy product, that means it is not dairy or not milk. Right. Anybody that's anybody that's anybody knows the word non, N-O-N, means not. And at the same time, anybody that's anybody that's anybody knows the word profit means to gain or to make money. So when you put non-profit together, that means to not have money over and above your expenses. Uh, churches, if you got more than 50 cents in the bank after all your utilities are paid, you are a for-profit. You are a profit organization, not a non-profit. 
when you're in the red or just holding even, you are non-profit. Non-profit means you have no money in the bank. When you have a bank account, plus credit cards, plus own your church building, excuse me, you are a for-profit organization. Non-profit means you ain't got no money. Hello? Hello? Read and weep. Non-profit means non-profit. Now, was Jesus a man who was into profits, making money? Was Jesus rich? Well, I think the Bible has the best answer for that, don't you guys? Yes. I think the Bible's got some answers to that question. Let's see what it has to say. Matthew chapter 10, 5 to 16. We're going to let Ruthie grab that one. Matthew 10, 5 to 16. And while you're running there, Ruth, we're going to have Danny, Mark, you're going to go to Mark, Danny. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. six. Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 11. Okay. Okay, now you hold on to yours. We'll let Ruthie read hers first. You got yours, Ruthie? Okay. And you all better have your Bibles tonight and have them opened up. And if you don't like how long the message is, take it up with the sender. I'm just the postman. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right, Danny. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power unto unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whatsoever shall not, and whosoever shall not receive you, not hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment and for that city. Hello, and we got one more to look at real quick. Luke chapter 9, Ruthie. Luke chapter 9, 1 to 6. 
Luke chapter 9, 1 to 6. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Jesus sent them out to do what? Collect money and make lots of money and sell all kinds of stuff, right? No, he sent them out merely to preach what he told them to preach. And what was he tell? What did he tell them to preach? The gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, hello, and you know what the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ does? Save souls. It wasn't to make money. People need to get their off their high horse, get humble. Danny, I want you to go to Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 8, verses 19 and 20. Let's look at another little situation here. A certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, the Son of Man, hath not where to lay his head. Uh, hello? Hello, storefront churches. Hello, preachers. Jesus wasn't rich. In fact, he was so rich that he didn't even have a bed. He had to sleep in the fields. He didn't have anything to his name. But why do we think that it's godly when you're rich? Get over it. Amen. Ruthie, we need you to go to Matthew 17. Matthew seventeen twenty four to twenty seven. Matthew seventeen twenty four to twenty seven. We're about to find out what happened when Jesus when it was tax time. Tax time. Did Jesus say, "Well, let's uh, not pay our taxes"? What did he say? Oh, we're a nonprofit organization. And we got ourselves in a corporation here, and we got our little businesses. We don't have to pay no taxes because we're Christians. That's what he would said. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. Now what was the reason that Jesus did what he did? He, first off, did he pay his taxes? Oh, well, in a way he did. But why? Lest he should offend anybody. He didn't want to offend them and get those people mad. He said, okay, look. Money is money. It means nothing to me. So instead of getting the world upset because making them think that we're not going to do what the laws of the land say, we'll pay our taxes. We will pay our taxes just so that we don't get no one all upset over that issue. But the fact was, he wasn't worried about it. And he, if you notice, Jesus didn't pull it out of his pocket and say, Here, Peter, here's a wallet. Take this on over there. He didn't say, Peter, hey, you go get it out of your wallet. Or, hey, Peter, 
Judas is the one with the bag. Judas is the one with the money. Go ask him for it. Oh, he didn't ask Peter to go to Judas Iscariot. He said, Peter, you're a fisherman. Grab your rod and reel. Haul your butt down to the Sea of Galilee. Get yourself, drop the hook in there. And when you get done, sitting on the bank, the first fish you catch, open his mouth. You notice he, he didn't tell Peter that he couldn't eat the fish. Did you notice that? He didn't say, Peter, when you're done with the fish, throw the fish back in the sea. He said, when you throw your hook in, when you pull the fish out of the water, it's going to have money in its mouth. Open the mouth of the fish up, get the money out. That money you go and take and pay the tax. But he didn't say what to do with the fish. Basically, Peter, if you want to eat the fish, go ahead. Then you got an extra, hey, you even got an entree for breakfast. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you get to eat, but at the same time, look. Look, the fact is, he said, go ahead and, uh, just so that we won't get nobody all upset over something stupid that don't mean anything, and just go down fishing, Peter. Okay, now, we're going to start with Danny. We need you to go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verses 57 to 60. Matthew 27, 57 to 60. And Ruthie? Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, verses 43 to 47. You got yours, Danny? Yes. Go ahead. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of uh, Joseph, beheld where he was laid. All right. So far, what are we seeing so far? Jesus was so rich. Well, he already had his funeral pre-planned. He, he had all the money he's already paid for. He had his own tomb. He, uh, he even knew where, when he was going to die, so he had his funeral arrangements all settled, didn't he? Nope. He didn't even, ha he didn't even own his own place to be buried in. Took Joseph of Arimathea to do that. Amen. And then, also Danny. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Verses 50 to 56. Luke 23, verses 50 to 56. And Ruthie, we're going to have you... John chapter 19, verses 38 to 42. Uh, Luke 23, what? Okay, Danny, I'll give you yours again. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verses 50 to 56. And then Ruthie will go to John chapter 19. 
verses 38 to 42. Got that? Got yours, Danny? Go ahead. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. Same had, had not counseled to the council, indeed, of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. The man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher. That was hewn in stone. There was then never, ever man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew, drew on. And the, and the woman also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and, be, and behold the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. All right. So in four places, all four Gospels, we have four witnesses all saying the same thing. Jesus didn't have no money. He didn't pay for his burial place. It was Joseph of Arimathea who provided that burial place. And that was because Joseph of Arimathea was a secret disciple because he was scared of the Jews. Wait a minute. If you're a secret disciple, you got a problem in the first place. Yeah, you got you to show your faith. Don't worry about the buzzards. Amen. Uh, all right. 